Welcome to this episode of A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. I am Matt Rosenberg, the rabbi in the situation, and my uh, partner in crime, well, I guess clergy, my partner in clergy. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Can't be partner in crime. Uh, Sean, Pastor Sean Hennessy of Life Church uh, is not with us today, but uh, Dallas Cox, who is the location pastor of Life Church. Uh, in Green Bay is joining as our pastor today, and I am. I do, honored. man. I am great. I am like this is this is fun. This yeah. is really fun to even that intro. I was like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing pastor and rabbi walking to a bar. Like yes. this is super cool. Yes. So and as we have uh, traditionally in the past, we open with a bro. Yeah. Did you know? Yes. Kind of a random fact for the day. So uh-huh. Dallas, you got you got one for us. I do, I do. So, bro, yeah. Did you know, yeah, that Ric Flair's woo? <laughs> That's good. I, I mean, I'm practicing. Good. Yeah, we have to uh, talk actually, about wrestling too. I guess uh, came from Jerry Lee Lewis. Right. Great balls of fire. Which I I hear woo. it. Yeah, because I I guess he does do that. But I was like, yeah. That's I was funny. like, oh, baby. Like, I hear that. I don't hear, woo, woo. But, which is funny. I took my son to SmackDown because yeah. I came to Green Bay. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So, <laughs> so, so, so wrestling has become a, a, a not real wrestling, which I wrestled actually in high yes. school, but uh, WWE. Yes. Has has become a recent passion. <laughs> it, it's it's insane how much I really like it now. Yeah. So it started off. I was watching TV with my son. We we're kind of channel surfing on like Pluto TV or something like that. Right. I think it was. I can't remember. Right. And he saw Japanese wrestling, and he said, and he looked, and I just flipped through, and he said Hulk. So in my head, I was like, all right, he wants to watch the Hulk. So I go on Disney Plus, and I go Hulk. He goes, no, and you know, because my son very limited speech, and so yeah. I go this Hulk, no, no, yeah. And then Dami, okay, what did he call Hulk? And then I went back to Japanese wrestling, and he goes Hulk, and I go, oh, you call wrestling Hulk? And I go, okay, buddy, if we're gonna watch Hulk, we're gonna watch the real deal, right? And so I put on WWE because we have the Peacock Network, and it has all of it on there. So I put it on and. And as I'm finding that he's into it, I'm getting into it. And we're yeah. watching modern stuff. I, I try to show him the old stuff, and he's like, Mm-mm. he's like, I want like the new stuff. Right. Found, and then we, I put on a match because I was like, well, you know, John Cena was really cool. And yeah. then we put on John Cena, and then I put on John Cena versus Brock Lesnar versus uh, Shane uh, Rollins. Yes. Or Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Sorry. Yes. Wrestling fans were like, not his name. I'm, I, I'm getting new to this. Uh, yeah. So it's a three on it. And I'm telling you, I know it's not real. But I was so entertained yeah. that I was like, this is amazing. Right. And then he would want to watch. And it was, so it was like a father-son bonding thing. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. Until my son got bored and left and I didn't notice it. I was like, oh, he's been <laughs> gone. I've been so mesmerized by right. the Miz, right. you know, fighting, yeah. you know. Um, All um, of a sudden you're in a, you're in a, a yeah. New World Order shirt. Oh, and- yeah. I, well, no, well it's, the bloodline is the new thing, you know. Oh. Yes. With, with, uh, Remember when Hulk Hogan went bad? Oh, yeah. Hollywood was, Hulk Hogan. That was good. Yes. Except it turned out he was bad in real life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the good was the act. Yeah, you're real. You're being really a real right now. <laughs> right. I just feel like you're bringing some a part of yourself out right now, Hulk. You know it, brother. Uh, this is real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, that's the other guy. Oh, oh no. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Snap Macho Man. Slim Jim. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that too long. It hurts. That was my in this in when he was in the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Oh yeah. Get down here. Yeah. Bone. Yeah. Bone we got crusher. Three minutes of playtime. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. speaking, that of is a great segue because yeah. I okay. So some backstory: I have been a part of Pastor Rabbi, whereas I actually went to Seattle uh, with Pastor Sean and and did the recording with you. I was right. the guy who was trying not to laugh, and and you know <laughs> I was the operator, right? And it caused me to walk around your office, and I go, wait a minute, me and me and Matt got something in common. Yeah. We like. Comics. Yes. I saw that you had the Wolverine comics. Oh, and yeah. Some of them I was like, 
bro, you might be able to make some money off of this hey, stuff. Yeah. You know? Those were gifts too. Oh man. I, yeah. So so I realized, oh wait, we could talk about like superhero stuff. Yeah. So I know some people are like, oh, all right, bring Pastor Sean back. Uh, <laughs> right, but, right. He, he is not into no, he is, comic books. No, he, in fact, he, yes. I think he loves everything about me except that. Right. He's like, oh, me too. comics, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I have all of these, they're in frames and they're yeah. like original... Wolverine comics and um, and Avengers and mm-hmm. but somebody gave them to me in frames like that because yeah. they were getting rid of stuff and they were like maybe you would want this and I was like yes you mean Wolverine number one yeah I'll uh, take that yeah um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I noticed that one so. yeah but uh, yeah my brother who's also a rabbi uh-huh. in Chicago um, when we were kids he worked at a comic book store when we were teenagers Stop. and we were just there. All the time. He was way more into it than I was in terms of details. He bought, when he worked there, he must have been like 17. Yeah. He paid $200 for a page, an inked page of Wolverine by Jim Lee. Stop. Like an act, it was framed, right? But it was, he inked it, it was before it was colored. So it's his ink page of Wolverine. A few years ago, he sold it at a comic book auction mm-hmm. for $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know who Jim Lee is, Google Jim Lee yeah. comics. I mean, he's yeah. right now, I think he's the, the greatest. S- he did Batman after that. Yeah, because he's the editor-in-chief of DC. He doesn't do Marvel right, anymore. Right, but, but he, he is, used to do Wolverine and oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. and The X-Men. A- I mean, X-Men, the famous everything. X-Men cover yeah. with Magneto on it, and you, you, yeah. know, and you unfold it and it shows yeah. the rest of it. I mean, it's- Well, and my brother always thought that way where I didn't, you know, he was like, I think if I buy this and hold on to it, so, it'll be worth something so in a long smart. time from now. So and, smart. and then actually did that. Yeah. So it's just always been a part of, and actually my dad <laughs> tells the story that when my parents first got together, they were like 18 and 19. Yeah. And my dad had Silver Surfer 1 through 60. What? And my mom threw them all away. <laughs> Oh, I know you can't see this. That's me like almost passing out. Yeah. So the story is, you know, which I don't know how long my dad would have actually held on to them and would have that, would they have been in perfect condition and all of that. But still, you know, but he was key. And my mom's like, you're not doing that stuff anymore. Oh, yeah. Because if it's one through 60, it was probably like. Oh, I'm blanking. Yeah, and name. they're working on retirement from ministry, and I feel like they could have retired <laughs> off could've. of uh, Silver Surfer 1 through 60. Oh, but, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because I bad. want to say, not Qbert, um, I'm getting real nerdy. Okay. Anyways, but so it's funny. My brother got me into comics too. Wolverine yeah. was his guy. Yeah. So I felt like I couldn't like Wolverine or I appreciated Wolverine, but I was yeah. like, I need to have a hero that is like my guy. Right. And so for me, it was Spider Man. Yeah. And it was, and actually, Spider Man is what got me into comics. My mom for Christmas gave me one of those, like you know how you, I see them at Walmart a lot, where they give you a stack of comics, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then you just like, oh yeah, this will get you in comics. It did um, because it was like, but it was like a team up where Spider Man right. and the Punisher and Darkhawk oh, yeah. went against these like robot ninjas and stuff like that, and I was like, yes. this is dope. And I was I was mesmerized. And my mom's like, well, that looks like it was a, gris- a great Christmas gift. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it just started this spiral to um to the point I was a collector for years and years. And and when I actually when I was with Shelby, I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like this is like a thing I'm into. And she's like, cool. And and before we had kids, I would go to the comic book store all the time, which is funny. You said your brother worked at a comic book store because yeah. like that was a dream. I would even ask the comic book store guy, like, are you guys hiring? They're like, yeah, right. get in line, pal. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, as soon as an opening There's happened, a whole lot of nerds yeah. in line for Turns that job. Out, you only need like two employees for the weekly and then weekend, maybe a third. And, right. and there's already like five people in right. line. So it's like, yeah. You, right. You got to know me a little better. And so I try to be so friendly with my comic book guy, like, how you doing? Yeah. How's life going? Things like that. Because I was hoping he'd be like, hey, Dallas, you still looking for a job? I'm like, I'm not looking, but will I work at a comic book store? You right. know it. And there's dudes, I know I know stories of dudes that will work at comic book stores for no money. As long, they just want the discount. <laughs> you give me that discount, I'll work. And right. it's like, pff. so they'll get like more than a 10%. Like, oh, I get 40% now. Right. Yeah, but you're also working a job. <laughs> uh, right. Right. And I feel like when, when we were kids, I feel like it was 
you know, you can't really do this kind of thing for a living. Yeah. And it was kind of poo-pooed in the sense that like, you know, you need to grow up and get rid of, I think there's still some people that feel that way. Uh, but to me, they're just, you know, they're, they're no different than Greek mythology. Yeah. Uh, you know, stories that have been told forever. The, the interesting thing to me about most comic books, especially early on, yeah, is they were almost all written by Jewish people. Yes, that is true. Um, Superman. And um, what's fascinating. Jim, uh, yeah, Stan Lee. Right, all of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the other guy, you know, they all changed their names so you wouldn't know. I think Stan Lee's name is actually Stan Lieberman. Lieberman, yep. Um, or Leibowitz or something. Leibowitz, yep. And, and Jack Kirby. Or oh, Stan Lee Leibowitz, but he no. went by Stan Lee. Yeah, I think he just shortened his yeah, yeah his last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it could be that. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jack Kirby is it's something like Jack Kerbowitz. That was so that was a name. <laughs> I want to say Jack Kirby did yeah. that Silver Surfer, which right. If you're dead, had that. right, <laughs> right, right. But even the two guys who created Superman yep. were both uh, Jewish, and it's interesting because they're Jewish and not. I mean, as far as I know, mm-hmm. atheists. They didn't believe in God at all. I don't think. So. But well, two, it's it's there's a there's a crazy story about one of the guys who created Superman was about his father was killed in yeah. a, like a in a in a mugging I think or something like that right and so that's why if Superman ah, his first power bulletproof. he was just bulletproof right and the only reason was he's like I want to create a hero that can't die from a bullet like my dad did right which is so sad that's heavy about. it is very heavy so yeah and then all the other stuff came later but he's like no I just need a guy who's bulletproof. That's right. Who, I need a hero to do right. that. So. But I find it interesting that even Jewish and obviously not followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, but so much of the stuff behind superheroes is based on Messiah-like yes. figures, it's, which is fascinating yes. to me. Um, well, because even Jewish people that don't believe in, mm-hmm. say they don't even believe in God, have this desire to write stories about messiahs. Yes. Right? And I think that's because that was put in us as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody does the like, you know, Jews run Hollywood. Yeah. There's all these like anti-Semitic, oh, yeah. anti-Semitic ideas. There's some truth to them because there are a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood. But the reason there are a lot of Jewish people is because God created us to be storytellers. Yeah. That's, he put it in us, whether we acknowledge him or not, Mm -hmm. we're trying to tell stories that he put in us, which then lends itself to, you know, all the like Christ-like figures all through comic books. It's interesting because I was just thinking about that, like that there is this hero complex yeah. I think in the faith. Yeah. That that I mean when you think about it like Spider-Man. And yeah. I even there's even an issue in the comic where I remember uh Spider-Man saves someone and they don't acknowledge it. And he and you know cuz Spider-Man they even Stanley wrote him he said this this weak kid this who was right. bullied he gets superpowers. And right. so now he's saying things that he would never say cuz he has a mask on which that can say so many different things but totally. but in that he he calls out the woman, "Hey, yeah. you're not going to say thank you." Yeah. Like I just saved your life, and I think sometimes and I was, it's, I was, we've just been talking about this as a church that when it comes to Jesus, yeah, sometimes we want Jesus to just be our savior mm. and not our Lord, right? Where we'll go, hey, 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 I'm so glad, hey, Jesus saves. Like right. we, 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 we put that that's on T-shirts, right. it's all that's signs a, on that churches, sign? yeah, yeah. Jesus in the cross, saves. Jesus yep. saves. I was gonna cross. say, where is that? Is that in Portland? Yeah. Or is that in Seattle? I, well, it's all, yeah. I think they're all over the but place. But like the famous one, I can't remember where it was, but mm-hmm. you, you're right. Jesus mm-hmm. saves. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Jesus saves, but like, what about Jesus as Lord? What about like, hey, we, I want more than just to be our, your savior. Yeah. There's a line in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? When uh, Babyface is the gangster mm-hmm. that's in the, and the, and he's robbing a bank and he says, Jesus saves, but Babyface withdraws. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. when you think about it, like that's we have like a yeah, hero we limit complex. him. We limit him to one thing to rescue. Yeah. Um, when he's 
supposed to be so much more than that. And I, and it makes me wonder, is that why we have people who have a great relationship with, with God and they mm-hmm. give their life to Jesus, but then they kind of walk away? Is it because he wants more than just to save you? You know, you kind of even talked about it today that that like yeah. so, sometimes we we are constantly doing things to as a as a way of of giving penance to God, and it's like totally. you don't need to do that. Like that's yeah. the thing is because I love you, I want you to do these things that like right. it's already there, right? But if you gave me like if we had a relationship and you let me take control and t- in some areas you're struggling with, man, what can I do with that? And that's right. when it gets harder. Like I don't know, I don't want you to do that. I just can you just keep forgiving me of my sins? Can you swoop down? And when I pray, yeah. <laughs> you swoop down, save me, and then fly away. You know, and that's that's kind of where we're limiting. I yeah, like it only takes a certain part of your life to surrender, to accept him as savior. Mm-hmm. It, it takes far more to surrender to him as Lord of everything And yeah, in your life, right? That's it. So if you need him to rescue you, from a bad situation mm-hmm. and he does, I think what often happens is if that's all you wanted from him, once you feel rescued, yeah, once the thing is better, mm-hmm. do you still need him? Yeah. And I think some people don't think they do. Yeah. Of course, those same people will keep running into the same problem, which is mm-hmm. God will keep rescuing. Yeah. But at some point, um, you're supposed to live like you've been rescued. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, treat other people that same way. Like yeah. if God forgave me, then I should be forgiving. Yes. You know, um, I remember there's a book uh, by Tim Keller called Prodigal God. Mm. And he breaks down the story of the prodigal son, and which is never called that in the text, by the way. What, what it's, what, when Jesus tells the story, he says, there was a father with two sons. Mm-hmm. And then there's the younger brother who's the prodigal and the older brother who stays and is angry. Yeah. And the point Tim Keller makes in his book is both sons wanted their father dead. The, the prodigal wanted what he wanted his inheritance up front, like his father was dead already. Yep. The older brother is just waiting for his father to die so he can get all the stuff. Yeah. And his anger when the prodigal returns is that you're using my stuff because mm-hmm. his brother already got his inheritance. Yeah. So everything that the father, the ring and the mm-hmm. shoes and the new robe and the fatted calf in the older brother's mind, that's all part of his inheritance. Yeah. So he says, you're going to celebrate when this son of yours mm-hmm. He doesn't call him his brother. Yeah, that's right. Well, because isn't there a separation of yours, because of that? Well, the story ends about uh, really the story is more about the older brother mm-hmm. than the younger brother. I would agree with because you. the end of the story there's no completion. Mm-hmm. The invitation is you can either go into the party and celebrate because you're my son, mm-hmm. or you can choose to stay out here. Yeah. And the story ends. Yeah. We don't know what happens. Yeah. Right? But the 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 interesting thing about Tim Keller's book is he says it's I'm not going to quote it perfectly and it's worth a read, but he says um the majority of Christians mm-hmm. are older brothers. <laughs> who look at prodigals with disgust. Yeah. Yeah. And forget that at some point in our lives we were also prodigals. Oh, I, I admitted that um a couple weeks ago. I talked about a friend of mine who's in full time ministry that I thought was unsavable. Mm. To the point but also my my interpretation of evangelism was wrong. Right. I, I had this mindset that if we can be in a debate right. and I win the debate, right, you have to give your life to Jesus. 
<laughs> because I won the debate. Right. I gave you. Every, I mean, but but if you think about like old Christian like cinema and stuff yeah. like that, it's like, well, if God's real, I think they I try did not it. to think about that. They, I know. <laughs> I uh, I think he was in Left Behind. They were like, oh, if God's real, he'll no. knock this cup over. Right. And then the he hits the cup at the end and knocks over. Right. And you go, yeah, oh, see, God's real. Now give your life it. to him. And it's and this so, but with Jason, which he knows about this, I can say his name. He's yeah. not anonymous anymore. Yeah. He could win debates. He was raised in the faith. Mm. And so when I would debate with him, he could debate back and I'd go, Ugh. but he wasn't living for Jesus. He was living for partying and drinking right. and stuff like that. And so in me, I was like, right. He's unsavable. Might as well stop talking to him. Yeah. And then his mom made a deal with him. You go to the summer camp, I'll buy you, I don't know, something, new guitar. Uh, right. Maybe, you know, something like that. Where he's like, gotta go. And so he went and he called me when he gave his life to Jesus. Like, bro, I just gave my life to Jesus. Right. And I wanted to be more excited, but I didn't believe it at first. Huh. I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, you have a lot of knowledge. Right. You know, I don't know. And he's right. like, and he, bro, I quit drinking. I'm like, sure you did. Right. And, you know, I was like, I didn't believe it until I saw it. Hmm. But in that, which is funny because I'm relating this to your to the prodigal son, is yeah. when you look as the older brother differently, yeah. you can see the glory of God greater because you go, whoa. Well, the beauty is all he had to do is go into the party. Yeah. And he could see. Yeah. And the they had freedom. the same problem. The, the brothers were, the two brothers were just as lost. Yeah. As he like, the older brother's just as lost as the prodigal, just in a different way. He was lost by doing what he thought he had to do. Yeah. To get in. Yeah. Oh, gosh. To have the stuff. <laughs> and the father's like, but everything I have is yours. Yeah. I don't understand you what you're angry access. about. Like, well, you know, I, And I could be wrong on this. When the prodigal son said, hey, I want my inheritance now, what he was doing, was he committing to a separation from the father because he is dead? In a way, you do that when he dies. Mm-hmm. So asking for it early, was it his way of saying, I know I'm separating myself from you. Mm. And so therefore I'm cool with that. Cause I want the money now. Um, I don't know if I'd take that far. I think it's just give me what you owe me. Yeah. Before you die. So, so the brother could have been but walking the older brother saying the opposite. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. So when you die, I get everything that's owed me. Oh, wow. Right. They, <laughs> they both have the same problem. They're just worried. It They're just looking at it from different. Yeah perspectives. And then the older brother is upset because the younger brother used up his inheritance. Yeah. So that fatted calf is that you're using to sacrifice is mine. Yeah. And the father's like, first of all, it's mine. Yeah. Yeah. It was mine to give to your brother and it's mine to sacrifice what I want to sacrifice. Yeah. Because the truth is everything, thing I have is yours. Mm-hmm. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, a, uh, instead of enjoying the father mm-hmm. and everything you get by being in relationship to the father, they were both treating him like he was dead. Yeah. Which and, makes you wonder that's, if, oh, I'm sorry. They're both lost. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which makes you wonder if there are people who are staying in a fence Mm-hmm. which is keep them outside of what God wants for them. <laughs> well, totally. I think about people who are like, well, we don't want people to dress like that in church. Yeah. We don't want people to come in with that kind of theology yeah. or that kind of attitude or mm-hmm. that kind of sin, bro. There are certain sins, yeah. right? We don't want those people. We don't want those people in our church. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, I'm not sure I want you in my church. Yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> right. I mean, that's makes- worse when it's believers yeah. who are the ones saying that, the people that don't follow Jesus aren't welcome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's- because I found in my life, I found my non-believing yeah. family members are far more welcoming. Oh yeah. Than believers that I know. Yeah. There's a dude right now that I'm trying to connect with. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I see him probably once a week. We, we have UFC in common. So I do like fake and real fighting. <laughs> right. Um, but that's our connection. And, you know, it started off with yeah. jokes. You'd it's make funny, jokes. I don't see you as a very aggressive person. So maybe uh, that's yeah, just your outlet. I, that's, that's, I let it out. <laughs> do a lot of I'm punching in air and I go, that's all uh, I need. Right. That's why I got all my aggression out. Right. Um, 
And so, um, you know, so we, I think it started off as jokes, you know, making fun of me being a pastor and stuff like that. But once he saw it didn't bother me, then he just became a cool dude, you know, and, and he makes me laugh a lot, right? like a lot. And, um, and I told him, I said, bro, I just like hanging out with you because you make me laugh. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think he even made a comment like, you're not trying to convert me. I said, bro, I'm just trying to love on you because I feel like you're loving on me. Right. It's just making me laugh. Right. And uh, it is, it's just, I can find myself being comfortable uh, to the point where I don't feel like I have to like watch what I say. Well, no, no, I don't, you know, I'm just saying in context, I don't have to do any of that stuff with right. you, you know? And so, right. so it's, oh gosh, we were saying something, uh, we said something about, Oh, I got, oh, no, it's not important then. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. So I, I was, uh, I was thinking, you remember when Chad Mc, Chadwick Boseman, who yeah. played the Black Panther yes. in the super successful, the only Marvel movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. He played the character, the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and apparently nobody knew that for years, six years or so, yeah. he had cancer and he made all these incredible movies in those six years, yeah. including the Black Panther. He did uh, Jackie Robinson, 42. Yeah. Um, he did a movie where he played Thurgood Marshall. Like he did all of these. And it turned out that he was very specific about the roles he picked because mm-hmm. he knew he was going to die. Yes. But when he died, and this was fascinating to me, I noticed that uh, many of my black friends were like mourning the loss deeply. Yes. And I was trying to understand why mm-hmm. and i was working on this message and i reached out to my friend tim ross who's a uh was a pastor and now is the has a podcast the basement with tim ross yeah and um you know i was like why does he matter so much mm-hmm. you know and he was like well what he represents yeah is a positive black african mm-hmm. king yeah image yeah that you don't get out of Africa because of slavery. And then I was reading about uh, Stan Lee yep. uh, created the Black Panther in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And he was asked, why did you create his first black superhero? Yep. And he was asked why. And he said, well, my black friends didn't have a hero, so I wanted to give them one. Yeah. And I was on this trip to uh, doing a ministry trip in Africa and it turned out that um, the Captain America Civil War was coming out. Mm-hmm. So I saw it opening day in Harare, Zimbabwe. Whoa. And <laughs> that's the first time the Black Panther shows up yeah. in the Marvel Universe, so cool Cinematic too. Universe. They did not mess him up. In but my what opinion. was crazy is being in an African theater yeah. with Africans. Yeah. And watching, you know, there's all kinds of exciting things if you're into those. But when the Black Panther appeared on screen, mm-hmm. the entire movie theater stood to their feet in applause. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, well, that's really interesting mm-hmm. um, because of the positive uh, portrayal of this African king. And so when he died, I was, I was trying to connect like what I said earlier is uh, these Jewish guys have all created Messiah figures. And I was trying to explain, I was explaining all this to Tim Ross trying to get, cause Tim just thinks better than uh, he puts things together so succinctly. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of spewing all this at him and he goes, okay, so let me reframe what you're saying. So what you're saying is uh, Stanley created a Messiah for black people. <laughs> yes. And uh, then I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's the impact of why his death mattered so much. Yeah. Um, but you have this Jewish guy who doesn't even believe in the Messiah, <laughs> who created a Messiah for yeah. other people. So when the real life actor died, there was like this yeah. great grief and I mean, mourning because of what that character stands for yes. for so many people. Um, well, like and, the sequel was like a eulogy. Oh, you know, so good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fascinating to think about. I feel like God is always behind all of that. A hundred percent. Like this is part of the, the, the storytelling that God put in us as a people that even creates, there's like this desire mm-hmm. um, to create these messiahs 
without uh, understanding ultimately that there actually was a Messiah, is a Messiah that all of these characters are based on. Yeah. Um, which is partly why I've, you know, enjoy, like I was never into Iron Man no. until Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man is so good. But did you see that church? <laughs> There's cru- a ch- there was a church that crucified Iron Man oh in a play. Gosh. Oh wait, I was like, who uh, told me that? Oh yeah, you told me. I that. Told, <laughs> yeah, they also did. They also did Alexander Hamilton, oh but goodness. they rewrote all the words for the gospel. Oh. Like, stop it! All, yeah. Okay, like I think you can love things and enjoy things, yes. and there are some like, yes. you know, of course there are similarities, and I can see yeah. the Messiah in it, but he's not mm-hmm. anywhere close. Yeah. To the real thing. And those two things can't really be merged into the crucifixion of yeah. Iron Man. Well, it's interesting too, because like, I think we're going the wrong direction. Right. Whereas we're going, okay, we're worshiping that hero totally. more than the Messiah. But if we get people to realize, yes, all of those feelings and all those things you have towards this hero yeah. is Jesus. Yeah. Like you can have those same feelings and that same excitement. Yeah. If you read the gospels, you go, hold on. This dude did everything. Right. He saw the need and he met it. Right. It all points back to him. Yeah. As and, part of the design. Yeah. And so even if he, for people that don't even believe in God, they yeah. can't help themselves. Yeah. They have a love for heroes. Right. They have a they have a desire to be saved. Right. But if we can go beyond just saving and actually, yeah. I mean, I, I, the second hero I think about is like Superman. Yeah. You know, Superman saved everybody, and that was right. his thing. And he was, you know, and he's compared to the Messiah the most. I mean, he was, he, he, you know, he came from, uh, someone from uh, a different I mean, earth. He's the most obvious. Yeah. yeah. You know, he gets power from the sun, you totally. know, <laughs> and, and all yeah. these things. But the thing that sticks out to me is the people who was closest with him were Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. Right. And the reason they were close is because they, they, he was more than a Messiah to him. He was a friend. Mm. He was someone that they could, they, they wanted to know and connect with. Right. And then what happened was, you know, in the comics, hey, Jimmy. Right. Or go to Niagara Falls with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like in the comics, hey, Jimmy, if you ever need me, just press this button on your watch. And right. I'll be there. And and so there was this, these mm. benefits of connecting with when you became more than just a savior. Right. There was these other things you're like, whoa, no, 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 no. And then to the point where people in the comments would be like, hey, if you need Superman right now, you go to Jimmy Olsen or Lois Lane. Right. And, and he'll come. Because right. they, have, they have this thing, he just, he always hears it wherever he They just have to call. Right. And stuff. But that was given to them because they went beyond saving. Yeah. Yes, thank you for saving me, but I want to know you. There's uh, in that Return of Superman, what's the one before the Henry Cavill? Superman Returns. With- Superman Returns. Yes. Yeah. There's a scene where he goes up into the atmosphere. Yes. And he's just floating there and he's listening all to like sounds. all the cries of, yeah. and then shoots down to save somebody. Yeah. You know, so good. Um, yeah. But I think that's an important distinction is he's not, is Jesus is not just the savior who rescues you. Yep. I was doing, I, I was working on a sermon and I, and I ran into this idea from N.T. Wright mm-hmm. um, in Acts. There's, in Philippi, there's this girl who's following Paul around and she's yelling out, she's an oracle. Yep. And she's yelling out, these men are servants of the most high God and they teach the way of salvation. Yeah. And I've read in so many commentaries and heard sermons of like, you know, this girl, it was a demon that's cast out of her. Yeah. But she was saying the truth. Mm-hmm. But then I dug a little deeper and N.T. Wright and a few other commentaries both said there were two different. First of all, the God Most High yeah. was a was a common name for Zeus. Mm. So <laughs> yes, she's talking about the actual God Most High. Yeah, but to all the Greeks who she was yelling that too. Yeah, they were hearing her saying these men are the servants of Zeus. You know, the Most High God. And they preach the way of salvation. And here's what's this gets even crazier to what we're speaking about is salvation for Greeks meant rescue. Salvation for Israelites, for Jewish people, meant 
new world <laughs> well, yeah. it goes back to wrestling, new world order. Uh, <laughs> the, it, it's new creation. It's salvation yes. from sin. But Greeks didn't understand any of that yet. Yes. Before, right? Because this is like one of the first places where Paul preaches the gospel to Gentiles. Yeah. So this girl's walking around saying, "The servants of the ghost, uh, the Most High God, and the pre- like they're teaching the way of salvation." But to all the Greeks who heard her yelling that. They understood it as Zeus and the typical, you know, salvation that the Greek gods, because what happens with the Greek gods is if you make them angry, they'll hurt you or they'll send an earthquake or they'll judge something or they'll take your baby or they'll, you know, you have to, you have to do all of the right things to win their favor. Yeah. Right. And then they'll save you. They'll rescue you. But salvation for Israelites and from a Hebrew mindset, Mm -hmm. salvation had more to do with the setting things, setting the world right. Yes. Back into the order of the Garden of Eden before we fell, right? So same word. Yep. But they mean the context to Greeks and to Jews in the first century meant very different things. And of course, you know, the funniest thing is the only reason why it says in the text that he cast a demon out of the woman because he was irritated. (laughs) So she's following around. These are the men of the most high. Like he's trying to preach to people and pray for people. And there's this girl in the background going, these men are the servants of the most high God. And and it says, and he was irritated. So he cast a demon out in the name of Jesus. Just get out of her. Yeah. And then there's this whole controversy because she can't tell the future anymore because she doesn't have a demon. Wow. And so Paul and Silas are thrown into prison because they're, uh, her owners yep. understood her as property with a special gift. Yep. And the gift was lost. Yeah. So, you know, and I wish it said mm-hmm. what happens to her. Yeah. Like, I want to believe that, like, Somebody in the local community that had just been established was like, well, I'll adopt her. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll take her in. Yep. But we don't, that's not the point of why Luke is telling the story in Acts. And so we don't know what happens to the girl. Um, you know, but I think, I think it all goes back, honestly, to like the Billy Graham, like crusade type. Yeah. Um, fire and brimstone yeah. preaching of the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. And we imagine that that's the way people always preached. Uh, and they didn't, yeah. you know, we, we didn't prior to that, you weren't trying to scare people out of hell and into heaven. Yes. Um, and I think we're swinging, the pendulum is sort of swinging back yeah. um, the, to a healthier place, which is I don't want people to accept Jesus because of fear of hell. Yeah. Right? We yeah. want people to accept Jesus because following the one who created the heavens and the earth and the one who forms you in your mother's womb yeah, will make your life better. But those are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most of us now are familiar with this like fire and brimstone, accept Jesus or you'll go to hell. Yeah. And it kind of misses the point of like all of a sudden we do need just a savior. We mm-hmm. need him just to rescue us. What happens when he rescues us? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he rescued it's, us. It's interesting. So the time of this recording, we you spoke today and you talk, yeah. talked about rooted in prayer and you talked about the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And the Lord's prayer is kind of one of the things that kind of shifted that for me. Yeah. The phrase on, no, I hope I'm right on this because I, I I had to memorize two prayers Yeah. when I was growing up. The Lord's prayer and, um, oh, I can't remember the other one. Uh, anyways. Hail Mary. My, no, because I was Lutheran. I wasn't Catholic. But anyways, yeah. the phrase on earth right. as it is in heaven. Yeah. That just that mindset for me made me go, wait a minute. I need to start looking at my relationship with Jesus totally different. Right. It's not a get out of hell free card. It's having this moment with him where I can have heavenly things here on earth. Right. That I can enjoy the fullness of joy with him. That I can be a new creation, which is funny that you said that yeah. that salvation is like that was the first scripture that came to my mind to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has begun. Right. Like I want to walk in that beginning. And I think you have to go beyond just you know, to me, I think salvation and, and really in a healthy relationship with Jesus needs to be, oh yeah, and I am going to heaven. 
Right. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing, but it's, but there's so much more to Jesus now. It's not the end goal. Yeah. It's just, yeah. An, it's the an, end goal oh, yeah. isn't getting to heaven. Yep. The, the goal is to experience new creation now. Yes. On earth. Yeah. As, as it, it is. In is. Heaven. In heaven. And that changed my perspective. Yeah. Which is, is so yeah, crazy. Great. And I love what you said about how even in our prayer time, we need to bring scripture in. Because when you have this understanding, yeah. you're going beyond opinions. Because I think going back to thing, the hero complex that some of us will look at him as a savior, not as a Lord, is because we've heard it maybe said that way so many times, yeah. but we never research it ourselves. Or, and, we'll hear, and it's gone one way and the other way, where we've heard, well, as a Christian, you have to like this and hate that. Right. Okay. Now, where did you hear that? Yeah. Make sure you boycott Disney. Yeah. Stop and, doing that. Stop watching that. Stop. Right. Oh, Don't drink alcohol. Talk about comics. Don't be. Uh. Uh-uh. That's right. Secular. Those are, those are false secular. idols. Secular. Yeah. And so that was something we had to. That was something we had to talk about. You know, behind the scenes. You know. Right. And so, but it's because we've ran with opinions and not with gospel, and not with the word of God. Right. And not with you know, and 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 that's why it's so important. And I love that you said that today. That you can't just wait for someone to give you the scripture. You have to go into the scripture yourselves. Yeah. And I think because when we do that, yeah, it it will then go, okay, I, I don't want, then we have the understanding of, I don't want him just to save me. Yes. Yeah. But man, I know when he's my Lord, Yeah. when he's in charge, when he's the center of all things, yeah, life gets easier. Right. Not that circumstances get easier. Right. Your stuff's going to happen that you're not... But when he's a sinner, you go, I don't understand how I'm getting through this, but it's only because of him I'm getting through this. Yes, right. I should have a different aspect, a different attitude, a different reaction, but I'm not. Right. I think because the difference is, is I made him more than a savior. I yeah. made him a Lord. I made him a friend. Mm-hmm. I made him uh, a father. I've made him all of these things. And so it makes you look at the scriptures differently. It makes you look at prayer differently, worship differently. Yeah. My worship has changed a ton in 2023. Yeah. Where I don't just sing the songs. There's right. moments where I, you said it to do, which I'm just going to say, like when I hear Rabbi Matt go, yeah, sometimes you got to, you know, take the scriptures out of the song and run with it. I go, hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's been moments where I go, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. I want to just, I want to talk on that. Yeah. I, God, I want to, I want you to speak to me on that. I want to, right. because I want, I, bro, I had like as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up, there's like this messianic band called Lamb. Um, And then there's a guy named Marty Getz who does all kinds of songs from scripture. Uh And, you know, they were just a part of our house and always on in the car. And and there were times as I got older that I would read Psalms and go, that's a lamb song. (laughs) (laughs) These guys took this from lamb. (laughs) Yeah. How did King David get a lamb song? (laughs) How old is lamb? Oh, lamb wrote it based on the psalm. You thought Lamb was like Menudo, and there was so many people in Lamb. <laughs> right, right. And Marty Getz, like I, 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 I have hit their words and like those songs stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. And then when I come to the scripture, I sing the song yeah. that I grew up with. Yeah. Because I memorized scripture by listening to music. Yeah. That was straight out of scripture. Like I love uh, Shane and Shane do these, like they've been doing these worship initiative albums. They have a whole album that they did on the Psalms or yeah. Aaron Schust, who, who's a, a Christian artist is coming out. He, he's working on an album of all the Psalms. And I just, I just love that mm-hmm. stuff because it's just, you know, David wrote music. Mm-hmm. We don't have the music. We nope. only have the lyrics. Yep. And so all these different people have put music. Yeah. You know, I always wonder what the music actually sounded like. Um, But the same Psalms can become all different kinds of music. And then you realize that those things get sewn into your heart and your mind. um, And you think about, like, I remember this time I got seven years ago, I got diverticulitis. Uh, which is an issue in the colon is super painful and awful. And I was in so much pain that I was just throwing up and I didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm like, it's really early in the morning. I went downstairs because I didn't want to wake my family up. And I'm like throwing up into the toilet. And in between, I had these two things in my head. I had this Marty Getz song, mm-hmm. which is the love of God 
um, the Lamb of God. It's the love of God. May you see on that tree the love. It's like about the sacrifice of Yeshua, and then a bleh, and then I throw up, and then I, <laughs> and then I pick my head up, and then I had the song by. Tadashi and Lecrae yeah. in my head, which was, Lord, have mercy and pity on your son for what I once was and what I have become. Blah! Yeah. Right? And it just kept going. And as I processed, you know, for the last seven years, but even immediately, I was like, why was I singing those songs? Yeah. And there's these weird connections between what the Holy Spirit was bringing out of me that was already in me, <laughs> both mm-hmm. physically and spiritually. And because those songs are so much a part of my life, God used those songs to make me realize things that I wouldn't have realized if I didn't have those songs in me. Yeah. You know, that's part of the, I think about Romans uh, one. Yeah. And it says for the uh, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And in righteousness, they suppress the truth because what can be known about God is plain to them for God has shown it. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen ever since the creation of the world, being understood through the things that have been made. So people are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks. Instead, their thinking became futile and their senseless hearts were made dark, claiming to be wise, they became fools, they exchanged the glory. This is amazing. Yeah. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image in the form of mortal men and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them over in the evil desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies with one another. They traded the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation. Jeez. Rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah. I didn't understand this until I moved to Seattle. Because <laughs> I'm from New York. Yeah. Nobody worships creation in New York. No. What we worship in New York is money and success. Yeah. Giant buildings. Mm-hmm. You want to be in the penthouse. Yeah. Right. But when I moved to Seattle, which is all green and all about nature, and mm-hmm. we have this, we literally call Mount Rainier is just called the mountain. Yep. And you can't see it most of the year because of the cloud cover. Mm. It's like an hour and a half drive from the city. When you can see it, it's like it's sitting right on top of the city. Yeah. It's pretty um, cool. It's 14,500 feet. Yeah. And I realized living there that people, we don't have a problem. People don't come, not come to church in Seattle because it's raining. Mm-hmm. If you did anything because it was raining, you wouldn't do anything. Yep. Right. It rains all the time. One of the reasons why people, the, the kind of like Saturdays for us at our synagogue that people don't show up is when it's sunny mm. because they're going to go into nature. Yes. They're going to go hiking. They're going to go to the mountain. Yeah. Right. And I didn't understand when it says people trade the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve creation rather than creator. Yeah. That people actually... We we talk about the mountain mm-hmm. like it's the sun. Yep. The the weather people will say, the mountain is out today. <laughs> like it moves, right? It's the clouds that move. But what's the design of the mountain? Mm-hmm. Like all the technology that we have and all the things that we've come up with and all the things we can, can create, there's no man-made mountain that looks like a real mountain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and when you see the mountain, you're supposed to go, Oh man, something made that mountain. 100%. And it must be far more glorious yep. than the mountain itself. But what people end up doing mm-hmm. is worshiping the creation yep. rather than the creator who put it there mm-hmm. so that it would point to himself. And I see story the same way. Yep. You know, there's. There's all kinds of stories that tell the story of the gospel without being the gospel. Yeah. And I think there's goodness in those things. Now we can't make those things the greatest, you know, yeah. you got to be careful not to worship the thing. Yeah. Um, well, cause and, you limit yourself. Right. When you get to the point where you go, wow. And you're so focused on that, you know, it's just, it, 
I think we have to remind ourselves that the person created that, that wasn't hard for him. Right. And if he can do that and right. you're amazed by that, I mean, imagine how much more he can do. Yeah. There's this thing called the uh, 2013 year old man. It's uh, a bit comedy bit by Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks and Mel Brooks plays. It's an interview and yeah. he's supposed to be 2013 years old and Carl <laughs> Reiner interviews him. And one of the questions he asks him is he says, uh, he says, were you around before you people believed in God? And Mel Brooks says, yeah, I was around a few years before that. And he mm-hmm. said, well, who did they believe in before? Like we believed in God. And he said, well, we believed in a guy named Phil. <laughs> and Philip was in charge because he was bigger and stronger than all of us. And so we would pray to Philip. Do you want to hear one of our prayers? And Carl Reiner says, yeah, sure. Tell me a prayer. And Mel Brooks says, we used to pray. Oh, Philip, please do not step on us and bite us and beat us. Oy, main. <laughs> Oy, main. <laughs> and he says, and Carl Reiner says, well, what? So what happened to Phil? And Mel Brooks said, well, one day Phil got hit by lightning. And we looked up and we said, there's got to be something bigger than Phil. (laughs) (laughs) And I, like, to me, that's the point, right? It's okay if you don't like Marvel or comics or whatever. And, but I mean, as a person who does, I think part of the reason why I like them is because there's a real story behind the fake stories. Yes. There's a real truth behind Mm -hmm. um, these things that are designed for entertainment and enjoyment. Yeah. But, you know, and, and like you were saying, I think Jesus didn't just come to save us. Yeah. Um, he came so that we would recognize him as, and worship him as the creator. Yes. Not the creation. And that everything in creation is supposed to, I mean, I, I say it all the time. This is part of my own internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. I went something, I go, there's something bigger than Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all part of who God is and yeah. what he's done. So I think that's all the time we got today awesome. for this podcast. Thank you, Dallas, for uh, filling in for Sean. You yeah. did a great job with far less of a beard. Thank, yep, it is a lot less. I have all the hair that is missing here, I just put up here. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. He did, he Mine disappears that. from the top. <laughs> right. I say, people it? say, yeah, but you're balding. And I say, no, no, I'm not balding. It's just going through my head and growing out of my face. That's, that's what we're doing. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, special episode uh, with Dallas Cox as our pastor of this uh, episode of A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. And we will see you next time. 